This podcast is recommended for mature listeners. It may contain descriptions of violence, thematic content, and immature language. Listener discretion is advised. This podcast is mature listeners with male choppy and Shane Levi. Like, I don't even know how good my commentary on this is going to be, because I need you to know that for how long have we been, like, meaning to record this? Like, a month? Like, (laughs) I've read 12 issues over the course of a month. Like, just one day, I'd read issue one, and then, like, five or six days later, I'd build up the courage to read issue two. And just, (laughs) it's so disjointed, and I don't know what happens in what issue anymore. I just remember the what are they called the the Mongolians? It's so racist. Mongolians, it's, yeah, that's, that's so oof. racist. That's that is gross. This is the most Bill Maher comic I've ever read. Bill Maher, there it is. Bill Maher, that's what it is. That's it's that shitty brand of liberal. It's that real kind of just dog shit version you know like i said it's like uh watching old clips of the daily show yes it is uh what's it called um colbert's uh the word but in a comic (laughs) book actually you know the on the daily show when they you know would have a segment and they'd have a silly little photoshop in the corner with like a dumb little pun title about what it is like that's what this is that's what this comic is. Yeah. It's all of those oh. over the course of a year built into a comic. <laughs> uh, I have that Daily Show memoir that came out like like a few years ago and I got it as a like a Christmas gift because my parents knew that I liked that back in the day and I'm just I don't want to read it. I'm so afraid cuz like I I knowing what I know now as, you know, you know, like years have gone by and me knowing exactly who Samantha B is. <laughs> like, I feel like I would just, it would just be a miserable experience reading it. Now that all comedy has become the daily show, you can't really enjoy the daily show anymore. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Now that James Corden does the daily show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you ever see that Patriot Act show on Netflix? No. What? That is uh, basically Last Week Tonight, but hosted by Hassan Minhaj. And, okay. And uh, there's a segment where he goes to Canada and mm-hmm. uh, talks to Trudeau. And he's like, y- you're like Wakanda for white people. Oh, you're- my God. <laughs> you're Wakanda. You're the White Panther of Wakanda. Oh, and Jesus And that really Christ. doesn't play. That does no, that not does play not. right now. No, that does not read. That doesn't. That's not cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that shit sucks. I mean, it didn't play then when Canada was still a you know settler colonial nation. Uh, yes, no, almost a shitty record towards indigenous people as us, but especially now. But they're polite, eh? Hello. Yeah, yeah. Hello. When they put on blackface, it's uh, it's polite blackface. Yes. Two, three, four guns at my school. One, two, three, four guns at my school. <laughs> that that's your the human torch was denied a bank loan. How yeah. now, brown cow? <laughs> One, two, three, four guns at my school. One, two, three, four guns at my school. This is Uno, some Rick. Dos, tres, catorce. <laughs> 
Uh, hey guys, what's up? Ah, uh, you know, army <laughs> at love. Uh, and the big lie. Generation pwned. I love that so much. <laughs> Generation pwned. That honestly, you know what? That honestly is the only like funny good thing from this comic. I would actually say that that is a good thing to have written. I don't know. Rocks. It's one eight hundred speedboat. Yeah, that one rules too. Oh, and gimme, oh, oh, gimme, oh, oh. I still can't believe that that's what he decided. I, I mean, that is probably a better representation of early 2010s pop music than the Speedboat song. It just rocks. Gimme, oh, oh. Th- that could probably be the hook to like a Lady Gaga song. Yeah. Maybe with some more weird vocalizations thrown in. You know, like, you know a comic has to be pure hell, like, when, um, me, the biggest 2000 sl- 2007 slut there is, who is so, because <laughs> that was my freshman year of high school, that is so, I, a twinge in my heart happens whenever I think about, like, Sarah Bareilles, or, like, The Fray, or shit, like, like, just real 2007 shit. <laughs> the release what? of In Rainbows on a pay-what-you-want basis. Oh my god, I remember the day that came out, my computer teacher, who was my homeroom teacher, was just like, guys, the most important album of the most important album of the decade just came out today, and we're gonna listen to this while we code. You know what? Your teacher wasn't wrong. He wasn't wrong, no. He wasn't wrong, but he was, like that was lame as hell like it was cool to listen to it but he was just real kind of dorky about it and we made fun of him all great teachers are kind of dorky about the things they love and that's why we love them you want to hear the cringiest ass opinion i had back in high school so i knew somebody who didn't like i had somebody that i did not like at all in my life and they liked radiohead and the only, the way to get me, if you ever hear me rant about something that I despise that's pretty harmless from media, like, it's because somebody I knew in high school liked it. I don't want to like, get off on a rant here. <laughs> so, okay, so the worst opinion I had was that Muse was better than Radiohead, and I used to say <laughs> it a lot. I used to be like, yeah, you know what? I think Muse is better. I literally love Supermassive Black Hole and Knights of Cydonia. Uh, speaking of uh, speaking of famous 9-11 truthers, welcome to oh. Mature Listeners. I'm Neil Jacoby here with Shane and our guest Chad, and we're talking about Rick Veitch. Hello. In particular, Army at Love and The Big Lie. Shane, oh. I believe you had a prepared remark. Alright, let me pull this up. It's, um, it's a little bit of a mouthful. Um... Hello, mature listener listeners. This is a message from Shane Blepp. I hope it finds you well. When I was nine years old, my dad used to take me to the Point Pleasant Public Library. It was here that my lifelong love affair with comic books was born. It was born with Brian Michael Bendis' Ultimate Spider-Man, Jack Kirby's Fantastic Four, Jeff Smith's Bone, and John Byrne's Superman. Over I the think next... you mean Jeff Bone's Bone? Yes, Jeff Bones Bone. <laughs> Thank you. All right, motherfucker. <laughs> okay, so over the next 15 years, this love affair would grow into an obsession. This became my favorite 
form of media. It was my favorite art form. It never dwindled, even after reading just the worst Drek ever. That was until this month. Rick Veidt's, um Army at Love has made me not like comic books anymore. <laughs> I don't like comic books anymore. I don't want to read them anymore. I There are comics that I am interested in reading right now, in theory, that I have no passion. Like, I don't know if it's going to make it into the show, but Wolverine, Cyclops, and Jean Grey are in a three-way polyamorous relationship in X-Men right now. That should be the most important thing in my life, and I don't care because of Rick Veidt. God damn you <laughs> to hell. Rick Veidt is a murderer, and I don't know how to accept that. Yes. Yeah, but he's also God, because uh, he has made a comic book reader out of me. Because I, I, love, s- I love them now, and I think they is, rule. Someone needs to do like a college thesis on you right now, in your current primordial comic book state, this being your first comic book. It is like... Rock so it's like hard. if you t- it's like if you took somebody who lived in like the Siberian it's like if some you took somebody who lived in like the Siberian wilderness from like a family that's never known technology that is still like in like the 1700s mentally if you took them and you showed them a movie for the first time and that movie was Cat in the Hat <laughs> that's essentially what you are and the I one with uh, Michael fancy. Myers yes. Yes. Yeah, that one rocks. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> no, I watched that movie two days ago, and it still owns. It is one of my favorite. <laughs> da- it's one of my favorite Dadaist pieces of art. I just Rick Veitch. Rick Veitch operates on a blood in, blood out system. I just think it's fascinating, and I would love to pick your brain. I want to show you other comics now and see, like, what is your opinion on this in a post Army at Love world? for you I, to, I to get I, chad into comics he had to get you out <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's pretty much it man that's pretty much i just <laughs> i think it rules and i love uh i love it and uh you know i just think it's uh one of the best stories ever told you know the army at love story <laughs> because it's so stupid it doesn't matter and it makes no sense so it rules you know what? Yeah, you're right. It. Yeah, you know what? You're completely right. That owns. That completely owns that this is your first comic book. I am just... That is amazing. I kind of want to do a spin-off podcast where I just show you other comics. Just Ugh. like... Just like, alright, here's like... Here's uh, Giant Size X-Men. Here's Watchmen. Here's... All right. In how many be real confused. does a guy have a threesome with two Bigfoots? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, two oh, Yetis. Married, two married gay big feet. Well, bye now, sir. Part of, part of me wants to say this isn't what comic books are, but another part of me wants to say, you know what? It kind of is. Oh, yeah. This, I just love it. So much fun. This is a comic book. This is a comic book that is like nothing else. And I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. <sighs> so, Shane, you had such a such a heated reaction to it. Can mm-hmm. you please give us a, a summary of the first 12 issues of Army at Love? Oh god, can I? Can I? <laughs> I You can try. This is going to be this is going to be hard. Okay, so there is like a military team and there is like um 
kind of like a what's it called like an affair going on there's like a love triangle and there's a there's ringtones i know there's ringtones <laughs> there's a there's two the songs. top ringtone <laughs> the top ringtone of all time every Ooh. third channel is talking about ringtones i've <laughs> I went into more or less a fugue state from issues three to about 11. And all I remember are ringtones and like, just there's boobs in every single, like every, every quarter of the comic is just graphic sex, graphic sex and ringtone talk and just the dirt worst political commentary you could ever imagine that that is kind of my summary of army at love so and that's army just kind of my life an album too. by plies yes <laughs> an album by army plies. at love aka kiss me through the phone <laughs> <laughs> oh god ringtones do you remember ringtones i remember yeah. uh texting a phone number to get the ask a ninja theme song ringtone <laughs> remember the crazy frog <laughs> oh. I, I always uh, wanted to be uh, Danger Zone. I tried to get Danger Zone <laughs> all the time. But eventually what I did was I just recorded like me playing, I think, a song through my computer and then me talking over it and saying like uh, saying like a very bad joke. Real trap shit. <laughs> the basement. <laughs> Damn, son, where'd you find this? Hey, it's Chad. Can't come with a phone right now. I'm sucking myself off. Uh, you know, text me. Why would you ever call me? I hate talking to people on the phone. It sucks. I remember I had a bunch of MIDI uh, ringtones on my flip phone circa 2006, 2007 um, that I would purchase for like $1.99 each, including Poison's Every Rose Has Its Thorn. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Cool. <laughs> I remember remember reading a magazine and suddenly you'd get a full page ad for a bunch of ringtones you could download if you text a specific code to a specific number. God, yeah. why, why can we not go back to this time? When is 2007 nostalgia coming? It's weird oh, that it's like Q, here. QR There's codes a dark Batman still. movie in the news. I oh, mean, yeah. everyone's yeah. talking about a Watchmen adaptation. It's the late two thousands all over again. It does feel That's like that though. At, it feels like it's that always was me repeating when I was itself. At my peak, I was at my peak <laughs> in the late two thousands, early twenty tens. That was You're me at your when peak I was again. At, that was me when I was Fonzie. You know. You're at your peak again. It's your time. It's, it never ended, and it will never end. It is certainly not my time. <laughs> That's what I don't get though. Is it's like, uh, like pop culture wise, it does feel like it's still stuck because like J Lo and I forget who else is doing like the Super Bowl again, and it's like the same Super Bowl acts have been the same acts for like it feels like twenty years, and so much (laughs) of like weird pop culture just feels like it's just the same. I feel like I'm dying every day, and it sucks. There's not a lot of new things anymore, you know? Like, yeah, the new things the new things don't get as big. Like, there's new things. Like, I guess, like, Billie Eilish is popular, but they there's no, like, new Beyonce. Like, Be- Lady Gaga, I feel like, was the last person in, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, that was the last big, like, musician celebrity. 
And then it's all just the same ones doing the same things. And it's like, then we, everybody's supposed to parse over it. It's like, these aren't our gods. Like, who cares? It's because even the same things coming back don't stick around as much anymore. Like there was a Toy Story movie earlier this year. And I didn't remember it until today because I saw a sexy Buzz Lightyear costume and a thumbnail for a Try Guys video. And I was like, how is that relevant? (laughs) Well, there's like that Maleficent, like the set, the the sequel to that one Disney movie that nobody ever saw, the first one, Maleficent, and it's like, there's a, there's wait, it's like, wait, what the hell? Zombieland, Zombieland too. too. Oh my god, <laughs> it's like that movie that Zombieland was like the like crappy DVD like you got that you didn't care about, but you're like, I guess I keep it around because it's the second DVD I own, and it's yeah. like, why why is there a second one out? Who cared about that? The first one sucked, and then the actors all look the same because like we're in purgatory, and that <laughs> happened somehow, and nobody told me, but it's it sucks, and it's all going to be this same thing over and over again. And so that's why I'm happy I saw a comic book that sums it up, you know? Yeah. I think I kind of know why, to get a little navel-gazy, I kind of know why things kind of like that are that. Because I think... Uh, Because this is a a data storage universe for a universe created in uh, 2009. (laughs) You took the words right out of my mouth. Yeah. Um, I think it's because, like, the the internet kind of fucked everything up, because I think we all have these little boxes in our pockets right now where we can find whatever niche shit we're into. So nobody needs to have the big, like the big star that we all listen to because we can find our own niche little corner that was harder to find when there wasn't, you know, like very prevalent internet, you know? Okay. It's like the Syrian civil war of pop culture. Yes, exactly. A bunch of splinter groups. Mm-hmm. Um, it's happening want, again I just want to say something that I mentioned in the DMs uh, this is dumb Metal Gear Solid 4 Yep, this comic yep. is dumb Metal Gear Solid 4 if I had to encompass it in just one phrase it would be that it is Metal Gear Solid 4 for like just it's Metal Gear Solid 4 written by the Daily Show writing team <laughs> Okay, that's giving a lot of credit to the Daily Show writing team, okay? It, <laughs> no, it's written it is. by the real-time writing team. Yes. <laughs> okay. I mean, I, there's literally a scene where, uh, well, no, it's kind of the opposite of a Bill Maher thing, because a woman uh, realizes that wearing a hijab is actually freeing. <laughs> well, I, if Bill Maher wrote it, it would be like a woman voluntarily renouncing the veil because she wants to be sexy. Oh Jesus! But I th- the the thing I think about it is like I I guess on this like that's repugnant I guess if you t- take that but you, if you take it as a whole it's like she does that because she had her butt implants fried and like that's <laughs> the only reason that she finds it freeing so it's like it's just everything about it to me is so stupid that it transcends like being so st- like it's just so dumb that it's hard to be this dumb it's like somebody trying to be super dumb and like i love that because that's always that's like the the funnest thing is like just somebody trying to have just the the most like convoluted like nonsense like just absolute bullshit like thrown together with like everything to the absolute max you know mm-hmm. I, I've been rewatching a lot of On Cinema lately uh, because of the Mr. America thing. And this kind of reminds me of, like, Decker 
in that there's so much dumb shit going on that you kind of have to wonder, like, what kind of mind could make this? But with Decker, it's intentional. And with Army at Love, it's like, nope, th- this guy's just vomiting his mind out onto the page. Yeah. I My mind is blown by you saying that this is Decker, because, yeah, absolutely. Um, I also... Well, it, it, it's like Lib Decker. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, I That's true. Also... It, it it does have, like... Oh, sorry. Sorry to interrupt. But, yeah, oh, it is no, kind no, of you're more Libby, Go for but... it. Go for yeah. it. Yeah. Um, I just have... I was hoping we can talk about this maybe later. I'm just getting into on cinema this last like month or two, and it has just completely warped my brain. It is now the only thing I find for is Greg. <laughs> check it the, out. Only, the only thing I find funny is the smug look on Greg Turkington's face when Tim Heidecker's life goes to hell. I, for or, me, it's that the monster fuck and the effect oh, yeah. in the first season of Decker, where the White House is uh they get the effect of being in the White House by green screening Charlie uh, Joe Estevez at a desk in front of a picture of Barack Obama in the White House. So like you see the desk behind him and the flags behind him, but he's got like flags on the set as well. So oh it's just completely God. disorienting. I love, I love that. that. I love that you got it. You just discovered the monster fuck recently. That's great. I oh, love. Yeah. Oh, Nick the Weiger, monster fuck is so Nick good. Weiger is great. He is it's so funny. I have not been able to get into Doughboys, but. That that one bit the the monster yeah. fuck is it's beauty. I did, if not Doughboys, I re- they fucked. <laughs> if not Doughboys, I I really would love to try to get you into comedy bang bang because there's so much like podcast I, comedy bang bang that I adore. Like that yeah. that set my sense of comedy like in high school and college. I was really into comedy bang bang for a while, and then I sort of burnt out on it. Mm-hmm. I think you can do that. It's like. It because it's hard to. I think it's hard to watch just one comedy like binge it. I think you really have to like spread those out because like the whole point I think with comedy is like surprisal. Like you know, like yeah, it's it starts, twists like, you, and everything. You start to see the pattern and it stops exactly. being as funny anymore. And yeah, so you, if you well, the comedy, but also there there's also a thing where like you can watch an entire season of uh, on cinema in a row, and like by the tenth episode when Tim gives it, you know five stars and vaguely describes the plot it's even funnier because it's built up that rhythm yes yeah um, and and speaking was... of uh and speaking of funny let, let's talk about army at love <laughs> yes yeah, which back. Uh, certainly tries to be funny <laughs> it's certainly... I, I think it succeeds you know it, 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 i don't it succeeds in I a don't... different way than it tries is what i would say because it tries <laughs> to be like a mad magazine satire like everything's got a silly name uh but it is just like a bizarre soap opera <laughs> like it's it's so funny there's like a, a well there's like a disparagement of opinions here because neil you think it tries to be funny and it lands but not in the way it tries and um you think that it, you know it tries to be funny and it lands in exactly the way it tries. And I think it tries to be funny and it does not fucking land at all. <laughs> I I think I think it uh it it lands because it just makes no sense. And so it's like to me again reading it, it's like like it's something where it's like I just feel like it's recognizing like somebody just throwing just everything at something and it's like it's, you'll you'll pick out different parts that you like and it's like I I mm. like just appreciating like a weird Actually, canvas you, you know? know what it's you know what it's kind of like it's like watching it's like if you were to watch like epic movie right now 
you know? <laughs> there are so many cultural artifacts that just are not relevant at all anymore. And just seeing that now, it would just be like, what the fuck? What? Why? Yeah. What, wh- why are they parodying the Narnia movie? <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't that two years ago, even when this came out? Oh, God. So, yeah, that's that's kind of what it felt like to me. And you know what? In a way, that's kind of epic and owns. But in another way, it was kind of a slog to actually read. It's one of those things where I feel like this works on paper for me, but in practice, reading 12 issues of it, I, I died. I couldn't it do it. Like, it's like if Mel Brooks wrote a soap opera that aired in the world of Twin Peaks. Exactly, yes. What is the Twin Peaks like, soap not- opera? Uh, Invitation I to Love. Invitation uh, right, to Love. Yes. But, like, not good Mel Brooks, like, early 90s Mel Brooks, like Dracula Dead and Loving It Mel Brooks. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm i gonna steal this question from Eric, but what do you think is the last great Mel Brooks movie? Um, well, I don't... Hmm. I think he had a rough spot, a rough patch in the 80s, because I've got a controversial opinion in that I don't like Spaceballs. Oh, it um, sucks. Yeah, I think it's bad. I think it's not funny. Um, I, uh, answer. I remember watching it as a kid, and I don't remember anything about it, so I'm just like, I'll never watch it again. I mean, <laughs> like, that's like, fine. If this, okay, so if Robin Hood Men in Tights didn't happen, the last great movie he would have done was, uh, what, uh, what's it called? Son History of Frank. History of the World, Young... one? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, maybe. That's I my think... answer, too, because I think that, like, uh, I think that Men in Tights is good, but it's not great. Uh, mm. History of the World is the last great one. Did that come after uh, Young Frankenstein? Yeah, Young Frankenstein was the 70s. History of the World was like early 80s. Okay, yeah, then that probably would be the last And then last Spaceballs great. was late 80s. Um, I have a soft spot for Men in Tights because I would rent that on VHS from Hollywood Video all the time. Oh, I, but... oh, I do too. It, it, it's, a, mm. it's, a, it's a good movie, but... If you got me to look objectively at it, it's probably not great. Yeah. The last great one definitely probably would be uh, History of the World. Okay. So, you talked in brief... So, so where does... We talked about the first six issues of Army at Love. The last six issues you you read, Mm. where do things end up? Like, story-wise? Yeah. The last, um... The last six issues, so the guy sends what's his uh what's the guy's name he looks like um peter lorry um lomax yes um he sends his you know like the other guy from the love triangle to his death flabbergast um, yeah yes <laughs> and he they, they end the comic ends with you know the guy and the woman fucking in a bathtub <laughs> that's okay. how it ends awesome so that's literally how it ends. That's the last panel, I think. So the art of war. Let, let's try to explain this. Okay, yeah, explain weird. this. So Urgh. I ap- I apologize, uh, my mature mature listener listeners. Um, it I I couldn't do it. I got to twelve. Much like much like Triple H, Shane tapped out. I <laughs> what the fuck, man? What the two thousand destroyed, dude. I went to a house show after WrestleMania 20, and they just <laughs> chanted the entire night, you tapped out at Triple H. <laughs> God, you just, you just, my brain just went right back to that. 
something I hadn't thought about since I was ten. Holy shit. Oh my god, I feel sick. I have a stomachache now. <laughs> okay, yeah, okay, so regardless, I tapped out. I was supposed to read this. I physically couldn't anymore because I might have just started crying. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't so take beautiful. the commentary. Yeah, it was too beautiful. I couldn't take the commentary. It it was too woke. You were too triggered by the truth. Yes. <laughs> This is what this comic is. What the liberal, the liberal media wants you to think, you know. Uh, well, well, no. Since Rick Veitch is uh, the sort of weird truther lib, mm. it's it, it's what the mainstream media won't tell you about smoking Bigfoot weed, <laughs> about smoking Bigfoot's dick. <laughs> well, no. Uh, Bigfoot has a pussy in this. Yeah, yes. dude. But and it rocks. The the monster mask guy meets meets the Bigfoot from the previous series, The Mother of the Mountain, and it turns out that she is actually Sylvia, a B movie actress that he is really into, who has been Sylvia cursed Stein to be the Bigfoot. And the only way to save her from the curse is with the the, the man's true love, which is he just has to ass. keep pounding her. Oh my! And God. and it rocks, dude. And they show it. They show it all too. They show it all, man, in panel by panel by panel. And they get it on in the back of a truck while he has to drive, fending off the Koreanians. In the Koreanians, it's hard to tell if he's trying to do an Iran or Korea, like Koreans thing. It's very confusing. That's why I love it because it's it doesn't make any sense. And but they're having sex in the back of that truck, and it rocks, dude. And it's cool the whole time. And I wanted to high five somebody, but I was at work reading it, and I couldn't do anything. So, I just want I want our our viewers, our listeners, to know. And you will learn this, you know, once we start reading Swamp Thing. I am not a prude. I am into monster fucking. So this actually, <laughs> y'all are getting me into the idea of reading this just to see sadly, graphic, graphic Bigfoot fuck. Sadly, Igor does not fuck his own dad in this. No. Oh it was we all the monster to. fuck. The monster fuck. Those monsters <laughs> sucked, sucked and they, and they fucked. The monster fuck. It was part a monster two. fuck. Part two. <laughs> the monster part. fuck is the monster fuck is actually banned in my house. I can't play it anymore because I played it too much early. Early in my relationship with Nicole, I played it too much, and she was like, "Yeah, it's banned. I can't hear it anymore." The, the actual funniest part of that bit is uh, in the second installment, uh, where after he plays the monster fuck part two. He has to explain himself, and he's like, "I couldn't think of another one. Uh, one I tried was the non the non consensual monster fuck." <laughs> and he has to sheepishly explain that that was one I shuddered early. I didn't get past the first verse, the, the second verse. And Scott asks, "Like, what well, what was the second verse?" And he's like, "Dracula took a shit," <laughs> and that that gets me every time. Oh my god. <laughs> Even though that is actually my least favorite installment because it has the lesbian pedophile vampire bit that goes on way too long. <laughs> anyway. Go on. So, okay. So they get they get out of there. Uh, the, 
Lomax, Flabberg no, not not Lomax. He gets Lomax. Upset, but Flabbergast. Low tax. <laughs> uh, Flabbergast, the Monster Mask Man, and the Bigfoot. They get out. Uh, uh, Royden, bro. That's Monster Mask Man. Royden, dude. yes. Yeah. Royden, yes. Yeah, it's, it, it's just the Monster Mask is. It, it's so. It's so yeah. stuck in my mind. First the Wolfman mask, then the Frankenstein mask. It just he's a Frankenstein and a wolf of that of that time late one night when his eyes beheld an eerie sight. <laughs> when his monster from his slab began to rise. Rise. Oh God! Uh, but yeah, they they get out of there. They procure an invisible Humvee. It's just rocks because it makes no sense. Why would you throw that yeah. in? But who cares? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like and what's the like point they, of it it doesn't matter at all it's just a cool idea and throughout all this rick veitch is being tortured in guantanamo because you know yeah. he the government thinks that he's stolen the secret to sending messages backwards in time and not uh, at guantanamo guanlanamo i yes you really know appreciate I like? the names you know what i love that like all of this like dumb names for every area but like newark is still newark <laughs> yeah newark is still they, they, uh, that one was too sacred he had to keep newark. okay but yeah he he's being tortured by the government and he finds out during the course of the torture that he's in his own comic book universe because he's like polka-cola that's not a real soda i made that up and then they're like no it's a real soda you're you're in our world now and okay, so so, so uh, the all guy, the I don't remember his name. the The guy with the side part because uh, oh, you mean Magoon? The hair thing, with Magoon. Yes, it, I can't remember such a, a distinctive name. <laughs> uh, he is he is touring on the "Gimme Gimme Yeah, Gimme Gimme Ah" uh, song. Gimme Gimme Ooh Ooh, Gimme Gimme Ooh Ah. Yes, <laughs> the best song and, ever uh, written. Yeah, so so he overdoses on the smart drugs that he got. Stradine. Uh and and they have to bring in uh, Mobley. Is he is he the head of uh, motivation and morale? Mobley, uh, Colonel he Healy. Him. You mean right? Colonel Healy. Yes, I'm thinking yeah. of someone else. Then you're there. thinking of the uh, protagonist from the Jungle <laughs> <laughs> Colonel Mobley. Yes, and so like he brings in the the woman that he's in a relationship with. And she brings in her grandmother and the uh, North Korean terrorist who, uh, Jen on and try to, yes, who who had the the woman try to catfish the uh, mentally disabled robot operator. Yeah, Bo. I his a lovely a little sentence name. of description from this comic is like you have to introduce so much. I know there's so like it builds it, it was like you said in like the previous episode like ev- there's so much packed into like every comic it's so dense and that's why I love it because it's like it's just somebody making a mess and uh I I love it you know You, you remember it's... like the first few issues of Preacher where really nothing's going on Mhm I more happens in the first issue of this comic than happens in that entire arc I will and, I will attest to that, yes. That is something that I respect about this. That like there is regardless of content, there is a structural craft going on here. Yeah. Like it's like looking at a really 
it's like looking at really good architecture on a Taco Bell. Like, <laughs> a restaurant that bad doesn't deserve to be in a building that good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or, like, when, it's, when it's, like, a like a new restaurant, but in clearly, like, an old Wendy's. Like, there's something powerful <laughs> about that, too, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, they all get back together. Uh, Lomax tries to escape with uh, Allie, but uh, the Kissinger well, analog... Uh, still left Stelfane, yes, it's 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 such a weird name. You now all the names are so. I I'm reading Dune right now too, so I think that's the only reason I'm good at remembering these names because I'm like, oh, every name's stupid now. Every every name's junk in Idaho. Yeah. That's why I have such a hard time remembering the names in this because I have a hard time remembering names in like normal comics and normal stories. But this, I'm not gonna. I'm, I'm not even gonna attempt. I'm like, all right, that's Peter Laurie. That's Blossman. <laughs> That's <laughs> that's Jimmy Olsen who fucks. Yes, exactly. <laughs> okay, so basically all of this uh, converges on a video clip that was sent back in time by Stellafane five years in the future. At, the clip is like, hey, everything should uh, be Stelfane all right. Stellafane, your organs. Yeah. Yep. It's Where really his nice. Organs have grown back. His organs have grown back. His hair's good again. He's looking young. He's low-key nutty with it. Yeah, looking like a and... thought, honestly. We can say it. <laughs> He's a thought and a fog. And, <laughs> and a fog. He has good news. <laughs> he has good news and bad news. The good news is that all his organs are going to be good. And then Stelfane goes into, like, the healing back to tank or whatever. And then they realize, oh, no. He's also got bad news. And so they watch the bad news, which is... Ah, this this twist broke my brain when I read the page because it was so hard to like what? <laughs> yeah, I it's like a whole page devoted to explaining it with diagrams. I know. There, there's a scene in Judgment where like a, an entire like Metal Gear style B roll cutscene is dedicated to explaining a, a thing about Alzheimer's that really isn't necessary for the details of the story, but it's like. Here's how this drug that everything's about works. Yeah. Very vague spoilers for judgment there. Uh, and so, basically, government security, like, the, the government devised a security system to protect their data by using interdimensional blockchain. They created new universes. <laughs> they created new universes to store data, and they ran out of universes. Yep. Oh. This is, yeah, even this though is there's like infi- infinite Stevenson, random realities, they ran out of like realities. It, it's like if Neil Stevenson and Grant Morrison got in a car crash. <laughs> this is how the report of the accident under uh, heavy painkillers would go. <laughs> yeah, but so yeah, they store the information different realities, and unfortunately, if they're getting that message, it means that you're in one of the like surplus realities that they have to delete to clear some space i'm deleting you daddy one percent fifteen percent fifty five percent and they they have to stop it before it gets to not to a hundred percent and they're deleted and so the way they do this is uh oh by the way uh moomin the the guitar guy goon you mean moomin (laughs) <laughs> is, did I miss Snufkin in this? 
Chad, could you please say that name again? Magoon. Magoon, yes. So he overdoses on on smart drugs. They predicted the Bradley Cooper vehicle limitless in this. (laughs) He predicts so much. It's powerful. 100% of my He freaks out. He runs to the plane. He gets in a fight with Lomax, and Lomax shoots him. Which Loman, too. It's not Lomax, right? It's Loman, Loman, yes. Right. Yes, like a... like death of a salesman. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was about to say birth of a nation. Birth of a nation. <laughs> really good double bill there. Birth of a nation, death of a salesman. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And <laughs> so here's where that panel that, that I sent you ca- came in, where uh, <laughs> Sylvia talks to the dying <laughs> Magoon and she's, talks in Bigfoot language to, the, oh my uh, God. to Stella Fane's Wiccan assistant. <laughs> yes, and yes, I like, read this. And, and the monster fucker is like, you, you can understand her language? And the Wiccan is like, you, I think I could. We've been married for 500 100 years. years? That's right. Um. They are both they're both Yeti. Oh, God. Oh, and that's, that's where the fifth issue... That's such a perfect issue. moment. Yeah, it's so good. And that's about where the fifth issue ends, and then the sixth and final issue of Army at, Army at Love, Art of War, opens with then he actually getting to fuck both of the Bigfoots, and it's beautiful. <laughs> they they do the fuck. Yeah, they the do monster, the monster fuck. fuck. Oh, they, they have to do a chaos magic ritual to bring Big Finger into the real world through Magoon. Yep. <laughs> So they basically cover him with these celebrity hair trophies. <laughs> and he becomes a cocoon that eventually, when enough sexual energy is built up, catches on fire and Big Finger hatches out of it. Oh, Jesus Christ. I, I just Big love Finger, this. Be- Chad, how would you describe Big Finger? <laughs> Big fi- Yeah, Big Finger is just like, just like a pink like cuddly blob like it's so it's so He's hard like that that gas pokemon the purple one that looks like a ghastly stress ball yeah uh, yeah that's it yeah <laughs> looks pretty much just like that all very cutesy between that and me describing the rift to only shallow as sounding like wah wah wee wah i'm not great at descriptions today i hate that you're selling yeah, me, too. me on this i hate it I'm disgusted with you and myself. The fact that I'm just like thinking, like, oh, does this own? Should I? Read it this? rocks. It rocks. Oh, I don't trust you. You're the devil. <laughs> You're the fucking devil. So basically, so they do the mash. They yeah. do the monster mash <laughs> so hard that Big Finger becomes real and makes this the new universe. Yep. <laughs> the real universe. So the other universe that tried to erase them gets erased instead. Oh, cool. It, it's like that scene at the end of the Pokemon movie where Ash sheds a tear onto Pikachu. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 it's calm instead of tears. Oh my god. Oh. And so everything goes back to the normal and Stella Fane starts trying to sell Big Finger basically as the internet. 
Yeah, as a big mascot. So, like, when you hear about, like, you know, like, business people saying that they read The Art of War, you know, like, (laughs) to help with their business strategies, is it this? If it was, they would realize that uh, business is super fucked up, yo, and you should quit. (laughs) And they would quit, and they would quit, because this would convince them. It's a beautiful story. Powerful. It's the greatest piece of anti-imperialist art since... No, wait, this was before Avatar. It's the greatest piece of anti-imperialist art before Avatar. Let me ask you a question. You think if this was actually not subversive and actually not a powerful piece of art that could bring down the pillars of our society that upholds this disgusting ruling class elite, you think if it wasn't this powerful, it would... It wouldn't... Sorry, I don't know. I messed up on the things there. Whatever. I, the point being is, because no one's read this, it means it's very powerful. But, you know, I ran out of steam if, halfway through if that. If more people had read this, do you think the world would be a much worse place? Better place? <laughs> I, I think if more people had read this, the war in Iraq would be over by now. Yeah. And the war in Iran would just be starting. <laughs> <laughs> But it would be like I a, love that you a put that. War, I love that you, you put know? that voodoo on us in the last episode. <laughs> yeah. Don't oh, you powerful. put that on me, Ricky Bobby? Don't you put that? <laughs> oh, but I, I just don't know what to say. It's it's such powerful content. I think what I have to say is that I am owed like a good comic for the next episode. I put I mean, my work... one more preacher. So, okay. Thank God. Oh my God. I, when you said we're going to keep doing, I thought there was more Rick Vite that we had to do. Oh, like, no, why do I, no. why do I feel like you're going to make us skip like Alan Moore <laughs> and just go right to Rick Vite, uh, uh, swamp thing. <laughs> just to, uh, just to spite me. What does Alan Moore no. see in this man? If I was going to go into any, like, weird Swamp Thing run, it would probably be a Mark Millar's first, because, like, I that would, one I would has love to talk covers. about. I would love to talk about that shit. <laughs> that, is, that is a fever dream that I'm all about talking about, you know? Yeah, in terms of, like, weird follow-up runs to seminal Vertigo titles, no pun intended, mm-hmm. uh, Millar's Swamp Thing, Peter Milligan's Animal Man, and Rachel Pollock's Doom Patrol are, like, top of my list. Patrol's a pretty badass name. Oh, it it's it's my favorite superhero team. It they're great. Yeah, Doom Patrol is the best. That is Chad. best shit I've oh, ever read. Not the best. The, the I comic, already read the best. The comic that got me interested in Rachel Pollock's Doom Patrol involves a supervillain named Codpiece. You wanna know what his power is? What's his power? Uh because he's got a small dick and women laughed at him for it, he built himself a codpiece to overcompensate. <laughs> That shoots lasers and has a boxing glove in it that he punches a cop in the face with. Okay, I now love, we're talking. Yep. I love Doom Patrol so much. Uh, yep, and, that and sounds this awesome. This is actually this is just the heel that they build up to introduce like the face of the issue. Uh, Coagula, who is a, a, a trans woman with the power to melt things, and she melts his cock piece. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a beautiful comic. Oh my god. Hey, if you know, if it's anything like uh, Army at Love, I know I'll love it. <laughs> you, uh, are I... you are the devil. You are <laughs> you are evil. 
it, it, I, something you should not have read this as a first comic. It's fascinating that you did, but this is no like this has done nothing good for you in your life. <laughs> I just think it's so good because it's like it's trash and it's like fun trash, and I think it's like it's so you know like. It, it just fits so well f- for me as like an idea of like here I'm just gonna throw out this like weird little thing where it's just people fuck and like and yeah exactly and there will be like commentary uh, basically like my my favorite uh, TV show is uh, Danger Five and it's like <laughs> and, and do you guys know it's so good yes, I, I love Danger, Danger Five. Five. And this feels like, like right up that like alley of like, it's like, I, I, you know, like, I think you could take like some of like, there's like some like bad, you know, there's like bad politics of and, and everything, you know, but it's like, I think it's, it's dumb and it's like bad and it's messy. And I think it's just like fun. And I think it comes across as fun. And it's like, what else do you want? Like out of something, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, that's my actually goes back really far with Alan Moore. Like he drew parts of Miracle Man. Yeah, that's a, when I learned about that. I, that blew my mind. I was just like, I, like this man that means so much to me, and <laughs> this just this walking blight on humanity are just <laughs> their friends. I I actually really like the art in this. Oh yeah, the too. art's fine. I like the art. Yeah, so as long as you have him drawing, things are fine. Like mm. Alan Moore was not giving him like a guest, a guest writer spot. No, <laughs> have Kid Marvel Man fucking Bigfoot. <laughs> well, yeah, Alan and Moore doesn't want to be how, outshined. Uh, and talk about how the uh, the Falklands War is based on a lie. Oh, Which, my. to be fair, the Falklands War was probably based on a lie. So, like, he he would probably be in the right there, but as far as 9-11 goes, that's, like, that's, like, one thing where, like, you can talk about the Gulf of Tonkin, you can talk about other things, but, like, 9-11, I'm pretty sure that happened. I think it could be a series of mirrors, you know? (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) I I mean, that... I'm gonna stop recording here, because, like, that that was just my opinion for, like, the, the normies out there. What mm. I actually believe is that nine eleven was claymation, <laughs> like like how they got like how they got Roger Corman to do the moon landing. They got uh, Henry Selleck to do nine eleven. <laughs> if if nine eleven was actually claymation, I actually would have thought it was a tragedy because I hate claymation. <laughs> oh, that you is... never had a nightmare before Christmas phase as a kid. You never enjoyed James <laughs> and or the Giant Peach. No, I always hated that stuff, and I, I don't know why I've always had such, like, a visceral reaction to just you, being like, God, ugh. You and my girlfriend are the only people I've ever met in my life that don't like claymation, and that's insane to oh, me. Oh, really? Yeah, ugh. she hates you had it. A, you had a formative experience with Jan Schwankmeier as a kid? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just scarred me, you know? My, uh, my conspiracy theory was that, um... 9-11 was the first vibe check. <laughs> <laughs> it went horribly wrong. Yes, no, no, no. 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 They the were not vibe vibing. Check happened in the 80s. The first vibe check happened in the 80s on the Murray Franklin show. <laughs> and uh, Chad, <laughs> since, oh, since, God. since you are an active stand-up comedian, do you have any opinions on a Joker's oh, betrayal of your field? 
Yeah. So yeah, I'm um active active duty um active duty uh open mic comedian uh open mic host too. Uh, that's an upper ranking uh in the uh, c- comedian uh division of uh, the army. And uh, uh, yeah, sir, sir, who is your commanding uh, club promoter? <laughs> Uh, it's, uh, I am part of the alt scene, sir. That's special ops in, uh, comic, yeah. uh, parlance. The operators of comedy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cause they're the most fucked up. Uh, uh, wait, wait, wait a minute. I just came up with something. I need complete silence. Seal team shtick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, that really cuts to the core. <laughs> oh. I didn't want that one to get lost. <laughs> Oh, we love working it. on a real tight zero dark thirty. <laughs> oh god, fucking damn it! <laughs> oh. But yeah, uh, Shane, you've also seen Joker. Uh, yeah, so I, 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 I was thinking we could have like a little Joker kibitz between the two of you before I step in with my objectively correct take on what Joker is about. Yes, um, a so kibitz between I... me with Shane. Have you seen Joker? I have not actually. Am I the only one who's seen the Joker? the joker have you read posts about joker i mean like yeah i read uh that's basically the same as seeing it okay cool yeah you'd think on twitter that's (laughs) 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 yeah um i have a a wild like insane opinion in that i think the joker was okay yeah, well, I, I think that's the general vibe. Is it's like just fine. Like Todd Phillips, like does like a so a a better job than like a regular like Marvel movie because Marvel movies are just like factory cut. Yeah, you drives. know what? That's yeah. That's why I found it so shocking that so much of like really up in arms about this movie is that it is so like not a Marvel movie. It's actually it has like kind of a vi- like an artistic vision like it's a shitty artistic vision but it has yeah. one beyond being like a sci-fi original movie you know like well, it, i think it's like oh whoa it turns out that like if you uh make a movie that isn't like decided by like executives like isn't created mm-hmm. by executives like it has the chance to be something at least interesting you know yeah. um <laughs> i read a really good letterbox review i think it was by esther rosenfield who was just like oh she's great oh she's wonderful yeah um her, her take on endgame the the, the very busiest thread one, yeah. in the history of letterboxed yes um so yeah. by a moderator after 3,000 comments of heated debate. <laughs> um, she had a really good review where she was just like, everything that people are complaining about is accurate. It's kind of just like shittily directed. It's not a good script, but fucking Joaquin kind of nails it. Yeah. Like, I Cause he's a good actor. So yeah, he's, I, he's that, yeah. like the best living. We talked about this earlier in the DMs. He's the, yeah, yeah. He's the best living actor of his generation, and I think it's wild that so many people just like down on the idea of him just doing his shtick, you know? Like yeah. he's he's good. He did a good Joker. He did a good like I, Heath Ledgery kind of Joker, you know. And, and who, who two, I think are it's... like uh, who, oh, who I... do you say are like the three top living actors right now? This is an open question for everybody. Oh, um. I mean, I I love Joaquin. I think I would put him at number one. Um, we had our sad fest about Philip Seymour Hoffman earlier today, yeah. so that's clouding Rest in my power. yes, that's clouding my thoughts. Um, uh, um, who's the guy? Who's the guy who uh, did? I think you should leave. Tim Robinson. He's number two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would agree with um, that. 
Yeah. Um, Joe Estevez, I think, is number three, personally. <laughs> uh, no, I don't I don't know. What would you say, Neil? Uh, my three would be... Uh, number three would probably be Paul Giamatti. Fuck, yeah, you know, he's real... Oh, yeah, he's, yeah. He's so good, he really deserves more big oscar kind of roles, you know? Steve Buscemi's still really good. He just doesn't, yeah, like, yeah, seems like, like he doesn't work that he, much. No, yeah. He, he's in the honorable mentions with, like, Tilda Swinton, where, mm-hmm. like, they're almost on the list and could easily sub in if, you know, yeah. a tragedy yeah. happened. Yeah, I would say Nick two. Cage is good because he's always, again, oh. it, the thing of, like, always interesting. Like, maybe mm-hmm. not good, but at least it's going to be different. Nick Cage is, like, he's he's a wild card. Like, yeah. he, he's either a zero or a 100. Yeah, so he's... I would say number two is Joaquin. Okay. Number one, Tim Heidecker. Star oh. of the greatest piece of, like, long-form media in, you know, the 2010s. The you trial know, of Tim Heidecker. You know, like, honestly... You're not wrong. He's probably one of the best comedic actors of this generation. He's I mean, he's not quite as influential on the world of professional wrestling as Heath Leather Heath Ledger as the Joker, but like you look at Chris Jericho right now. He Jericho, is Tim Heidecker. Jericho's that doing is a Decker Tim Heidecker right gimmick. <laughs> yeah, Tim Heidecker he, He's a triple threat. Tim Heidecker, I really think it um so future guest of the show, Brian Morgan, made a really good point that, um, he, oh, what's his name? Tim Heidecker is the only acceptable person to cast if they ever remake Beetlejuice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because they got, watch his performance in Us. Like, watch him as the clone version of Tim Heidecker. Really that loved is him be- in that. That's, that's Beetlejuice. Because, <laughs> like, what I kind of base this on is I think it takes, like, a fantastic actor to act really poorly mm-hmm. like to act yeah. poorly in an entertaining way you have to get what great acting is so well that you can just you can turn against those instincts at will and with intention yeah because yeah. like, you, you, you can know the rules to break and when which is exactly why i think army at love is great <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh chad you have a top three and i I, I I wouldn't know. That's the thing. I, I I'll go through phases where I'm like watching a ton of movies, and then when I'm not, like I just went through The Sopranos. So I love all those. Like I love little like you know character actors, like guys who are like so good at being like just like one simple thing that all mm-hmm. they always play that. Like you Steve know? Van think, Zandt. Yeah, yeah. So, so good. So your pick for our greatest living actor is uh is the guy. Will Defoe. is really good. I, I was gonna make a joke because he's dead, but I, I just lost the will yeah. halfway through. Sorry, Gandolfini's just he was so good. I know. I was about to say oh. Gandolfini, but then I realized what we're saying right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I kind of, I don't know. Like, I also, um, okay. You know what? I think I can. I, th- I think I can come up with a good like three year. I think I can come up with a good three. Um. Number one, I'll start with number one, I think is Joaquin, honestly. Um, Number two, I would definitely have to say, and this is because I've been going like a a marathon of this person's collaborations with this director, but I've been watching a lot of um, the Before Sunrise, Before Sunset movies. I think fucking Ethan Hawke, honestly. Oh, that's true, yeah. 
that that's a solid honorable mention on mine yeah yeah ethan's fucking good honestly in my opinion and he's in so much shit talking marvel movies before scorsese yes (laughs) (laughs) um well he was shit talking logan which right now it's kind of a marvel movie because they bought fox Mm uh so can we like should we it, it feels weird to do like actors who are alive who don't like fucking act anymore and haven't acted in anything good and even longer because like i want to say like if fucking jack nicholson but like what was the last jack nicholson movie like good uh, good yeah who question. knows yeah because uh, maybe bucket list role is drill on twitter <laughs> <laughs> and I he's good not seen drill's new show i don't i i don't know i don't know you know what I, I'm gonna... I like Derek, and I like all the E1 people that he's bringing in. I, I like his work on E1, so I think he can do it. Yeah. It's just going to be odd watching him on video. You know what? I'm going to I'm gonna go out on a limb. I'm going to say after, you know, I'm going to say Brad Pitt is number three. Okay. I, oh. I think he's real fucking good. I think he does comedy. Sure, Mrs. Smith, Smith is good. Ad Astra, he is fucking phenomenal in that. and Even his voiceover is good mm-hmm. enough that it almost doesn't ruin the movie. Yes, and obviously his Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and I was just thinking about Burn After Reading and I was just, oh, yeah, I was yeah, just yeah, like yeah. I was just like, yeah, that's the best comedic performance by a not comedic actor like yeah. in a long time. Like, so, Chad, <laughs> one more quick question about Joker. Uh, do most working comedians have notebooks full of pornography? And I don't mean their computers, I mean like paper notebooks uh i mean yeah dude honestly uh i mean in in terms of if you consider again pornography in the sense of the word of like having no artistic value uh (laughs) i would say that you heard it here folks chad weaver working comedian says joker is a hundred percent accurate to the life of a a comedian honestly true just because it's like it thinks it's great but it's just kind of mediocre it's just kind of okay you know like it thinks it thinks it's like so important it thinks it's so like this big thing when again it's just like has the same roots as any other movie is like just you know kind of normally produced is just fine you know it's like whatever you know that's that's exactly that is every comedian and that's why i uh hate comedy so and with that, uh, despite not having seen the movie, I want to give my perfect take on Joker, which is that uh, it's odd that he chose to set it in the 80s when the phenomenon that this is that this film is describing, a mentally ill person being sort of plucked out of obscurity for the purposes of mockery, uh, is a very early 2000s phenomenon. This is a movie about the danger of cringe compilations and cringe <laughs> culture. Joker, you know... He got videotaped in that nightclub posting cringe, and he went viral. He got on Tosh.0 with Murray Franklin. (laughs) It kind of fucking, it kind of actually does remind me a little bit of the the Star Wars kid, because he was the, he was the first big internet, like, you know, against his will internet celebrity, and he didn't, he did not like that. He did not take it in stride. Tosh.0 was like, really gross, now that you think more and more about it. Fucking rotten. absolutely right it's still going on isn't it i think so oh that's that's evil yeah and like props to weezer for using their video for pork and beans to offer a a needed corrective (laughs) to that sort of internet mockery the pork and beans music video embracing 
embracing Chris Chandler, not Chris Chandler, not Chris Chris Crocker. Chris Crocker, yes. (laughs) Chris Claremont, yes. Claremont. (laughs) Leave Rogue alone. Thank you for this. Thank you for. (laughs) But yes, Rivers Cuomo embracing Chris Crocker is one of the great moments of unity in the uh, post 9 11 world. Yeah. Then, unfortunately, he then embraces Andrew Yang. (laughs) I just saw that. So funny. Uh, Hey, does anyone else want to play for this dude that sucks? Endorsing AEW and AEW being endorsed by American Dad. (laughs) Oh, God. It's like, if you asked me in, like, 2008 to snap my fingers and get everything I thought was cool to like each other, like, you know, Weezer being linked to Chris Jericho being linked to American Weezer. Dad. I, didn't, I didn't like American Dad at the time. I don't think it existed. But, like, those degrees of separation. <laughs> Kevin Smith appeared on the first episode of AEW Dynamite. <laughs> And was oh. the first talent blackballed by WWE for working with AEW? Oh my god. Because he got kicked out of the live SmackDown. Yeah, he was supposed to be there, wasn't he? <laughs> but but Vince said, no, you, you can't be on our show where we beat Kofi Kingston in 10 seconds to bring in AAA Lucha Libre legend Kane Velasquez. <laughs> oh, Jesus uh, Christ. But yeah, like, what do you get when you take Z- Tay Zonde and you put him in a society that ignores him? And treats him like shit and doesn't society. listen to his message. You, you put him in a society that doesn't listen to his message about, you know, about racial justice. You you get what you fucking deserve. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. You're completely not wrong. I do think as the other DC movie pervert in this world, I think you actually would get a kick out of Joker. I think you would enjoy a good amount of it. At- as someone who is legitimately legitimately excited for for Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn, I am I'm probably going to see Joker sometime this week. I cannot wait to hear your take on it. I wait, you for just you heard to, it. Uh, have to it, have like a three disc set of Joker, uh, Suicide Squad, and uh, Birds of Prey. <laughs> and you got to include uh, BVS, the special black and white version. <laughs> Oh, oh, Chad, have you heard about the special uh, Kenneth Waste black and white version of Batman versus Superman? It's wonderful. Oh, really? No. It, it is legitimately wonderful. Like, it, he he sort of adjusted it to be in black and white, which really highlights, uh, it, it really highlights the contrast in the cinematography, makes everything look really nice. It It's just a really good edit of, That's like, a pretty, a pretty neat movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. It's a shame all. So anyway, probably never do see it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Let, let's move on from uh, something they don't want you to see: the version <laughs> of a Batman versus Superman that gets that keeps getting taken down by Google Drive to something they don't want you to know. Rick Veitch's The Big Lie. Um, unfortunately. Unfortunately, I am going to have to bail out of this part, so you guys have fun. Sim power, King. Because I, I gotta All go. Right. I gotta go sleepy, sleepy. Um, so okay. have a nice night. Okay. Um, so <laughs> just an update on the plugs. Um, you can't find me on Twitter. I'm off of Twitter. Um, so move. disregard any previous episodes where you say where I say you can find me at Shane Blep. Um, but you can you find can... the show account at Talksball. Yes, I co-run the show account, and occasionally I will post a shit post. 
from there. <laughs> um, so yeah, you about, can find about me. Mark Maron being a woke king, which I agree yes. with. Yeah, Mark Maron, he we we stand a, a legend. He <laughs> Imagine a if he played the Joker. Yes, that oh. was my you first. Know th- how I? Do you want to know how I got these stamps? <laughs> that is the that was the message that broke me. You sent me that because imme- I immediately after seeing the Joker, I sent Neil a message saying, "What if Marin played the Joker?" And so quick, like two seconds later, I got a message back saying, "You want to know how I got these stamps?" And I just threw my phone down and just started pacing and muttering and yelling. And I was just like, "Motherfucker! God damn it!" I turned you into Judas. Yes, I became Judas in judas in my mind i i i just want to say like this is such an uh, an autumn of joker the, the movie oh. comes out uh the fiend debuts mm-hmm. probably the most joker gimmick in professional wrestling uh darby allen is such a threat to chris jericho that he has to become the pain maker and put on his own joker face paint to face him mm-hmm. and uh jushin liger he becomes joker liger <laughs> Yeah, it is. It is the fall of Joker. Ah, oh, it's so beautiful that of those three, WWE has the only bad one. <laughs> <laughs> the, the worst WWE match in years, and that's saying something. Seth Rollins versus The Fiend in a disqualification ended Hell in a Cell match. <laughs> <laughs> all right all right good night guys you guys have a you guys have a good show good night uh listeners all right all right well now that now that the parents are gone it's time for me to open up a beer and talk about the real shit yeah finally can kick lie. back let me bite into the s'mores uh pop tart mm. <laughs> yeah oh yeah so yeah go 9-11. No, go ahead neil go just talk over Nine <laughs> eleven. We know it, and we love it. (laughs) And uh, Rick Veitch has some ideas about how it happened, which he expounds upon at length in The Big Lie. Love it. Uh, The story of The Big Lie, it's pretty simple. A woman goes back in time to basically do an effort post at her husband to convince (laughs) him to get out of the towers. (laughs) One woman, Sandra, working on the Large Hadron Collider, which is also such a, like... 2000s thing to be like uh oh <laughs> like the woke kid who's like you you guys don't know about this big science thing that'll probably kill all of us but you know <laughs> never like would you know <laughs> i mean like this is the opposite of that he, he's looking at it for its potential yeah to exactly. enlighten humanity by allowing us to go back in time and tell our dead husbands about the controlled demolition thermite bombs in the towers <laughs> yeah the the best yeah the best like panel of it is that panel you sent to the message where it's her being like look at tower seven and be like ma'am we have to ma'am come with us it's not just that it's her husband's reaction must i yeah <laughs> because he's just destroyed her with facts and logic about how the tower is so strong that you could only bring it down with controlled demolition thermite explosives <laughs> yeah it's so yep yeah. And then it turns out that's what happened. That's what happened. Yeah, it, it, it is. That was the big lie. Tirade to the board of directors at her husband's company. They keep brushing her off, like nine eleven's not gonna happen. This is a trick by Steven Spielberg. <laughs> yeah, like it's Steve, right? We're pretty sure it's Steve. <laughs> yeah, and like he works at a, a special effects company, so they're like, 
we know how this Hollywood movie making works. Yeah, we work at risk management. How would we look if we uh, did a false alarm and said, hey, a plane might fly into the towers? And like one of them calls their FBI friend and they're like, you know, it does seem like the FBI is pretty worried. But that's probably a joke. Yeah. Steven's gagging us again. And it's like, oh, and all the military exercises that are related to hijackings and that the plane, like, are doing war games in Canada. It's like, oh, that's also happening, huh? <laughs> uh, it, it's like how uh, a conspiracy that's actually true, the Jeffrey Epstein thing, <laughs> is like, yeah, the guards weren't doing anything that day. The cameras were off. Think about <laughs> it. Except... Except with the Jeffrey Epstein thing, it's like someone probably walked in there and did something. Whereas with this, they put bombs in the towers. Yeah, you see it on panel, so it's like, yeah, yeah. There you go. You, you proved it to us, Rick. You drew those bombs on that tower. <laughs> he showed us the big lie, dude. He showed us. It and was it all is introduced, and uh, and the postscript is by a folksy Uncle Sam. And do you remember what he says to introduce the comic? Gosh, I, for, I forget. Uh, it's Lies are like unwashed socks. There's a lot of them and they stink to high heaven. <laughs> ah, he's, he's like Lyle Landley in my mind. Yeah. Uh, a town with money is like a mule with a spinning wheel. God knows how he got it and damned if he knows how to use it. Just like, I guess it makes sense, but it's like, okay, uh... <laughs> Like, if you it's don't think about it because you can't think about it because it it's like, that sucks. I don't want to think about that. <laughs> it's so confusing. <laughs> but all all the people that aren't the brave no, woman posting about 9-11 to her husband talk like the bad guys in a Neil Breen movie. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, nothing bad's going to happen to us because we have all the power in society. And, yeah. uh... Yeah, it lays out the case, like, you know, all all the planes were gone, uh, all, all the people weren't there, everyone got calls to, to not go into work that day. Thankfully, he does not include the really anti-Semitic variation on that. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, oh, all these military personnel were told, don't fly around New York. In the San Francisco guy, which that was the most confusing bit of, like, why is that in there? Like, why is the, like, because I don't... He might want to go to New York but it's like none of the planes were from i don't know it's just so weird someone should have called seth mcfarlane <laughs> so now sh someone should have made sure he didn't get a call <laughs> Some, somebody called seth mcfarlane and uh mark Wahlberg, <laughs> and that's why they almost were on <laughs> yeah that one flight where, where Wahlberg would have saved us Actually, like, that should have been the big the lie Rick Veach was exposing, was that Mark Wahlberg actually wouldn't have been able to stop the hijacking. <laughs> but th what's frustrating about this is the parts where it's where it's actually right. Like, yeah. it's talking about, you know, how the Iraq war was, you know, bullshit, and we weren't even going after the right country, which is right for the wrong reason. Yeah, no, it's the, the, whole, like, the, the whole issue is that, like, at the, the the Rick Veach is like like his clear like motivation behind it all is like 
but we could go to war with the right country <laughs> like which would be america yeah which like yeah it makes it makes no sense in his logic like that that's where go to like, war against george w bush yeah it's we like, the people could be the army i know it and makes our weapons could be the truth <laughs> and our voices and our art dude <laughs> And our art, dude. Yo, yeah, we we could make a fucking comic book about how the war is bullshit. About it honestly, how, like, <laughs> dude, honestly, like, if we made a, if we made a comic about how like the the military is basically like advertising and how they're both bullshit, like the war would be done and we'd all be having sex with Bigfoot. Yeah, dude. And uh, honestly, now that I'm thinking about it from this angle of, like, yeah, how stupid Rick Veach is, like, such, even such a better, like, motivation to, like, hurry up and enact, like, socialism and scale down, like, working hours, because I want to see art made by the dumbest people. I, that's all I want, is I just want the dumbest people making art, because it's gonna be fun, because it's gonna be stupid, and it's gonna rock, and it's gonna be bad, and I'm gonna love it. But don't... But don't make too much fun of it, because that's how you get the Joker. It's true. Yep, that's true. <laughs> yeah, and it's right back to it, baby. But yeah, like, this guy's politics are so dumb in such a beautiful way. Yeah. Like, it's he's like half right, but like three quarters wrong. Yeah, it's it's like it's like he comes to it's so weird. It's like where he starts is way wrong. And then all of it's it's like it's like reading a paper where it's like the thesis sucks and but then all the body is like, oh, I see everything you're laying out here makes sense. And then coming back to the conclusion, it's like, but then you went to, again, the totally wrong idea from all this, you know? Yeah, it's that, like that's a good argument for something that you're not arguing. Yeah. <laughs> like we we basically know that it was Saudi Arabia who did it. Yeah. But like his thesis is like no, it was it was the government putting bombs in the towers, and I'm not going to say Israel because that would be bad. But a lot of this is spent talking about Steven Spielberg. So yep. <laughs> Rick Veitch taking a sip silently. I have to vocalize that because it's an audio medium. I don't think he's anti-Semitic, but I also don't think the path that he's going down leads anywhere but. Yeah, conspiratorial anti-Semitism, and that's why it's the wrong path. Yeah, it like it just it's just so yeah. It's again, it's the whole issue of like the conspiracy, like the urge to question it is one hundred percent like right, and like the questions that you raise, like that he raises of like all the like actual real weird shit is like uh, very puzzling and good to be like raised. But then yeah, again, his like. His his like yeah. There's a there's a Chapo episode on the movie JFK that uh, yeah. analyzes that movie the same way. Like, okay, you're you're pointing out some good stuff here, but your conclusion that so JFK wrong. was killed by evil gays. Yeah, is so not like it, chief. No, I know it's it, and and like you said, it's like he, he's brushing up. It's like not. He, it doesn't seem like he's like explicitly like anti-Semitic, but it's like he's following this conspiratorial rabbit hole that he's just you're gonna brush up against that at some point if you just keep going uh, the, down the people it. who are advertising in the comic though uh i'm not gonna make the same concession for them <laughs> well uh, yeah that rich blee guy yeah i i'm not gonna know what he's about until next september 11th rolls around and i get to google him because that's the text on the ad 
Google him he, next September 11th, so I have to wait 11 months. Yeah, it sucks. The timing's so bad on it. <laughs> <laughs> if we had only done this episode, like, two months earlier, I would only have a month left to go to, until I could Google him. Oh, you'd be fine. That's, like, the... That was what I loved about reading these, like, comics, is, like, the back pages shit, because it's such... Just reminds me of, like, old, like, school yearbooks, where it's, like, (laughs) snapshot of the year, and it's, like, the most, the, like, weirdest, like, bullshit, like, they use to fill out that stuff is, like, over 374 fish had sex today, and it's, like, what? (laughs) It's, it's like, I I guess that's true, but why does that matter? That doesn't matter. (laughs) And it's got, like, a little fact sheet on Building 7. Yeah. (laughs) It was so cool. (laughs) <laughs> and it's got an advertisement for what I assume is a 9-11 Truth documentary that oh, that's yeah. probably where you get into the real anti-Semitic stuff. And, yep. yeah. and there's also a big two-page spread of all the people that died in 9-11. Oh my god, it's I know. Just that's like, uh, I hate it's this. not like It's not like an illustrated memorial with oh, Dr. No. Doom crying, which missed opportunity. <laughs> like a uh, like, like mimicking like the wall for Vietnam before the 9-11 and Mark Wahlberg crying up against it with one hand on it. <laughs> what could have been? Mark Wahlberg and Seth MacFarlane crying at the 9-11 memorial wall. And, uh, yeah. us. and like whoever that one weird like uh, he was that one guy on the league. He's like a comedian. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. guy. Steve, his Adam name's something. Steve. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if it's Adam or if it's Steve something, but it's just a generic. I'm just going to say Adam 22 because it's funny. Yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> but yeah, like that guy who Adam lied about Adam 22 lied about being a 9-11. 9/11. Rocks. But yeah, it's so, yeah, the the big lie is like, it's, it's one of those things that it, uh, it's you could tell yeah he wrote that yeah in 20 you know 2011 after all the army at love stuff because it's just like uh it's like you know it's like listening to an artist later stuff and there you can tell they're not like trying to create like they're not like actually just playing and like playing what they want to play they're like trying to mimic like their old sound and it's like it sucks dude it's like you're not you know this is the Veitchen Erskine re, uh, reunion tour, yeah. where uh, they couldn't get the original colorist, and so no. it looks much worse. Yep. And just, again, it's just not as, like, high-octane weird and, like, fun. And, and you they know. had to get the money for it yep. by basically getting a 9-11 Truth in a crowdfund for them. Yeah, and it's like, okay, what the hell is, like, all this weird baggage? Oh. Yeah, it's super it's like Kickstarter, but for thermite. <laughs> yeah, it's Kickstarter, but for thermite, and also regular Kickstarter, which is a lot of like alt right stuff. <laughs> oh, that. Yeah. Oh. But uh, but yeah, it's just the big lie is super weird. It's, it's yeah, I love the army. It loves stuff because it's like again, if you just don't take it seriously, and then you. It's it's so weird that you can gloss over like these shitty points that Rick Veitch is making where you can just be like, This is stupid and fun and you don't have to put any like I'm not gonna take my fucking politics from Army at Love. Yeah. They're both a guy being right and dumb. Yeah. Like dumb enough that he's not entirely right, but he's got a good heart, like Yeah, exactly. Like, it's yeah, like Yeah, the Iraq war is bullshit. Marketing is bullshit. It's I, like 
I'm not going to be with you on that having sex with the Yeti thing, but you do you. Well, again, I'm totally but with like, you on that, but... Uh, <laughs> but, like, the big lie, that that yeah. is where things get, like... It's just he, <sighs> he doesn't have enough to cover. It's just not good. It's just... Yeah, and it's just it's kind like of a bummer. the way that he's being dumb is, like, y- you're going to send some people down a bad path. Yeah. Some bad resolutions. Exactly. And that's not quite as funny as uh, having a Bigfoot orgy to make the internet into a real guy that yeah. looks like a California raisin. And it's like, and I, that's such a, I love it so much. Uh, and it, 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 I think, I think the issue I'm realizing too is like, it, I feel like in Army, Army at Love, like everybody sucks. Like everybody's stupid. Like, I mean, he has that joke in one of the later issues where it's like, uh, he talks about the bow character and it's like, well, you know, you need a, uh, you need like a some character that's like totally sympathetic and that you know isn't. And I think it's like a stupid <laughs> aside, but it's still funny. And it's like in this one, it doesn't work because the Sandra character is like too clearly it's supposed to to be just a good character, and it's like that doesn't work because yeah, that's how you're gonna send people down. Like being like, oh, this person's totally good, and it's no, that's weird, you know? Yeah. There should always yeah, be it's criticism kind of depressing every to read the big yeah. lie. Yeah, because like you see, like a guy that could like there's a episode of Chapo where Stavrosakis talks about you know dumb guy socialism, and yeah. you know with Rick Veitch could be you know a, a just a dumb guy socialist like he he's got just, some bad ideas and some dumb takes, but you know his heart's in the right place. But then you read the big lie, and it's like yeah, you went down the get you off this path. It it yeah I guess it is one of those just weird things yeah where it's like it just you just went the wrong way with it because that's you saying that it, it's, it's like, like it reminds me of my like friend who's like all right nine eleven Frank Miller yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah post nine eleven Frank Miller wouldn't have the bit where he's like the Iraq War was wrong it caused a lot of needless deaths and destroyed the region he would just go on a anti Muslim screed yeah <laughs> yeah it's not good but yeah I kind of wish i had not destroyed uh, shane's love of comics but i'm glad that i had inspired a love of comics in you with army at love uh, legitimately you have as we and sign off and i'm making sure right now as we're signing off that i have these saved because it's like i will want to go back to these at some point <laughs> and not speed read it you know uh you're you're, you're just gonna want to luxuriate in those scenes of the wolf mask guy fucking so Sasquatch cool. in the middle of a firefight. Smoking the Sasquatch weed. Get, you know. I, all the earlier such stuff a too. Dumb guy moment. I know. Like, yo man, if we got into a cave and we found the Sasquatch's weed, wouldn't that be okay, sick? Dude. And it it's was like, ha- sick. <laughs> it was it's like- so sick. Have you ever seen that? All that... the stars outside were wild as hell. So cool, dude. It was sick. It's. I mean, there's nothing wrong with just being dumb and just having fun. And it's like you just gotta, yeah, just gotta know where you know, gotta know the the right path to go on, and then you just be like, oh, listen to that, and then close the other stuff off and just chill out. You know, that's the key. Yeah. Uh, we f- well, we figured it out, Neil. With that sign off, Chad, where can we find you online? Uh, hopefully dead. Uh, but um, uh, 
you know, fingers crossed if this weekend goes right. Uh, but uh, just at Weaver Chad on uh, Twitter, uh, or just go to Instagram at Weaver Chad. Uh, and I just put I just put up uh, dumb stuff uh, because uh, I've been getting less ambitious, and I love it. <laughs> where we All where right, can we find you, find you Neil? You Neil, where can, can we find you? F U C K I N A L P A M A R E, and you, there you can find uh, the mashup of. It beware by death groups and we like to party by the Venga boys. And it's beautiful. Oh, it was beautiful. I didn't expect it to work that well, but it, it, it really works. does. It's really good. Oh. <laughs> Love it. And uh, you can find the rest of these episodes at smalltalk.blogspot.com. We love it. And with that, tailwinds. Peace. <laughs>